Have you heard of Anchor? It's free and it's so easy. If I can figure it out, pretty much anyone can. Create your own podcast from your phone or any device and they will distribute it across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms on your behalf without you having to do a thing. You can also make money without any minimum listenership or any required audience. Anchor is super easy to use, and all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. Start your own podcast today. You're listening to Your Highness Podcast with Diana and Morgan. This is Diana. Hi, Hi, I'm Morgan. I'm in Seattle and it's August 2nd. Where are you? I am in Florida where it's summer all the time. (laughs) Are you getting um, like flooded down there? Aren't you underwater yet? You're losing power? What's happening? Well, we're losing everything. I mean, the Wi-Fi, the power, but we're not underwater yet. Um, it's just a lot of thunderstorms. So, we'll come to Seattle. It's record heat this week. It's only going to be ninety-five. So, wow. I, that global warming is real, people. Yeah, it is real. I know. Isn't that like that's like a first time <laughs> happening there, right? Yeah, and we have all kinds of fires from Canada and Eastern Washington. So it's really smoky and just hot. But I'm not complaining at all. I will take it. We're here. We're alive. We're in the cannabis industry. Let's talk about what the hell is going on out there. What would you like to start with? Uh, Well, this episode theme is surrounded around cannabis, tourism, entertainment, and culinary. Everything that's pretty much involved in the um, entertainment, tourism, food area so with that in mind our news items are sort of um, tilted towards that in some ways and the first one is that leafly did a three-part series on airbnb um and what their cannabis policy was basically talking about how you can travel with your medicine and apparently airbnb doesn't have an official filter yet for, for, for <laughs> cannabis-friendly uh, locations. So they're saying that it's pretty much up to the individual owner or the, you know, the person who's renting out the place, I guess. But um, they're not penalizing anyone for putting it in their description if they say something like 420-friendly or green-friendly. Yeah. Any of those tchotchke kind of terms. <laughs> it's but, so true. I would totally use that. Yeah. But I found when I was trying to find a place, it, like a lot of places were saying no smoking in the in recreational states when I looked, when I was looking mm-hmm. for a place. I don't know if that's, I mean, maybe you have to know like the secret codes or something. And Well, I got to say, I hope they don't look up my profile because... I always smoke in every Airbnb that I've ever <laughs> stayed at, any rental property. Yeah. The point is to get away, and when you right. want to get away, you got to take it with you. Right. So I would never advocate taking it on a plane, of course. Right. 
But some of that these places are like no smoking, no edibles. It's like, what what are you trying to do here? Do you want people to rent out your property or? I mean, that's just to me, that's extreme, you know? Well, maybe they think that, you know, they still have the old stigma that people who choose cannabis are, you know, somehow not as cool. Yeah. It could be. I don't know. They could well you know, some kind of profiling of pot smokers. I'm sure. But in this in this series that they did, they said that um, the people who are pretty out and, out and proud about being cannabis friendly have the best experiences because the people that stay there are so laid back and they're respectful and there's no like hardcore partying and you know all the things that people typically associate which is ridiculous but that they do anyway and um it's pretty much the opposite of everything that people assume it's funny they also have some of the apps that are actually for cannabis consumers like blood and breakfast travel Mm -hmm. thc the travel joint i liked uh that we are able to now travel all over the world, Uruguay and Jamaica, and find places to actually stay in those countries and places that have legalization or I will take care of those travelers. Let's go. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of fun things happening right now, I think in the tourism travel area and cannabis industry. Um, I think people are finding some really excellent ways around these ridiculous red tape, uh, regulations that are holding them back from being traditionally accepted or whatever you, what the term is that you want to use to, you know, say mainstream, I guess. Um, we still need places. There are no places to consume. There's no place to go hang out. There's no place, you know, there's still so many that say you got to do it behind closed doors in yeah. your car, you know, in your home. So where are those places? Right. We need more, more of those. So yeah. hopefully that'll be up on the legislative rates coming up soon too. Yeah, like being from here, people, I think, have a misconception that when you go to the legal states where it's recreationally legal, that you can just do whatever you want, you know? Right. And uh, obviously, that is not the case, so. No. All right. So did you have another news item that you wanted to add in here? Oh, the newest uh, highlight from yesterday was Senator Cory Booker is trying to get cannabis descheduled or removed from Schedule 1 anyway. Right. Um, it's time, people. Yeah. Let's get that removed. And you know, I was so disappointed to hear there's a lot of pushbacks from the Democrats oh, as know. well. But come on. Well, it's just going to get really out of hand. It is. And I think that the pushback, from what I was reading, it seems like people think that this bill is basically too perfect to pass. Because he addresses in there, that, or the bill addresses, I should say, um, penalizing any companies or any uh, – or penalizing people that – do not employ others who have um, a background with a drug crime on like a criminal background because of cannabis. So he's, he's pretty much attacking all of the, uh, not all of them, but a lot of the elements that make this whole war on drugs so detrimental for so many people. Um, That's right. And he's basically forcing accountability on the people who are saying that they don't want it legal to like say, why not? You know, because if we do it this way, then it sh- there should be no issue, you know? Right. But it's because it's backward thinking 
we're in the middle of an opioid crisis mm -hmm. and they're saying, well, we can't legalize weed because if we do, that'll just, you know, we can't say to everybody, go ahead and smoke weed because that's dangerous and that just leads to more. When it's been proven that states that have legalized cannabis, the opioids are, uh, uh, harm is reduced by 25% in those states with legalized cannabis. What are they thinking? And that's just what we're hearing about, you know? Um, I mean, mm -hmm. there are some rehabs that, you know, for because of whatever reason, they can't be public about what they're doing. And they're having like 90% uh, success rate helping people come off of opioids um, yeah. with cannabis and CBD yeah. oil. It's not a gateway drug. It's a it's a step to rehab. It's an exit in my drug, opinion. right? It's an exit drug, as they That's say. That's right. Yes. So, and speaking of drugs, so there is a new study that was done in Italy, um, of all places, <laughs> that says that um, <laughs> that uh, cannabis is just as effective on migraines as pharmaceuticals, and they used amitriptyline in the study, which I have experience with. I don't know about you. I know you have experience with migraines. I don't know if you've ever tried amitriptyline. I haven't, but it's interesting because when I first got my cannabis um, medical marijuana license mm -hmm. back um, in the early 2000s, I had mine written for migraines specifically, mm -hmm. and, and along with some female stuff too. Right. But migraines, you know, I just let them know I need something for my nausea, mm -hmm. for the pains and the auras and everything. So. Yeah. Absolutely, it helped. But honestly, I still use my sumatriptyline mm -hmm. for the really, 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 really bad ones that I catch way too late. Right. Yeah, I have something for when it gets too late as well. Um, but I used to take Topamax, which it's an anti-convulsant. And it actually was the only thing that worked for a while. Um, and I've tried every pharmaceutical that you could think of. And... But the downside was it made your extremities numb, like your hands and your feet. And that's not good when you're doing hair and, and writing. You know, <laughs> you need your hands. <laughs> you might want to hold on to those. And also it, it would keep me like from it would I would have experience word grabbing. That's another thing that where I couldn't I still have issues with it where I want to say a certain word and another word comes out um, and memory <laughs> problems. I mean, all of these things that cannabis is supposed to alleviate or does alleviate but people that are against it try to cite as reasons why you shouldn't do them when it's actually not based in any fact you know i mean it's just another example of like i every every migraine medicine i've been on has made me so much worse uh with the symptoms than the actual root cause so well, I'm looking forward to the day when we actually figure out the exact strain for migraine. You know, oh, I know it's probably going to be different for everybody, but yeah. I, if I could find the one that does it all, yeah, I'm looking at that. And the other great thing that we've been talking about here in Washington is terpene profiles. Mm -hmm. And I'm just blown away by the studies that they're doing now for all of the different profiles there's over hundreds of them in the cannabis plant that can we're going to start looking at those more yeah yeah there is so much to learn and the more and more i learn about this it blows me away but but migraines this story does you know it's it's what made me start to realize that cannabis was something more like a long time ago i i had this realization that 
I've been on all of these different therapies and pharmaceuticals for my migraines. That's been the one constant since I can remember is migraines. And that the only time it's actually been alleviated was when I used cannabis. And it's like, wow, you know, it's such and a weird... how did you take it? Oh, uh, just, um, just the regular wow. way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> listen to me, you know? I, well, they do have suppositories, yeah, you know. Yeah, right? I know. I mean, like, now you can actually, like, rub something on your head. You can, you know, do an inhaler. I mean, I, I don't have access to any of that yet. But when I do, I'm going to be like, oh. Oh, yes. You've got all kinds of topicals. You rub it on the back of your neck, on yeah. your temples. Yeah. There's lots of stuff. I can't wait for you to get here, Diana. You're yeah. going to love it. I'm talking about, like, whatever was there and whatever I could use, that's what I did. But it did n so much more than anything I've ever been on. So, yeah. Anyway. Right on. Go cannabis. So... All right, Washington State Health Department made a big misfire. Um, <laughs> I just don't understand how it even got as far as it did. But there was a billboard, apparently, that um, said that Hispanic youth basically don't have to smoke pot because they're cool enough already. <laughs> Which may be true. I, it, it may be true. Oh, it's but totally there are... true. I, I, I don't, don't <laughs> doubt that in any way. But, like, I just want to know if somebody was like, let's put this up as a joke. And they're like, oh. And then it just went so far that people just said, yeah, no, that totally was what we meant to do. Because, seriously, how did it get that far? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, from what I heard, they were a bunch of kids that got together. And they were, you know, tasked with coming up something that was for their generation, for their people, for, you know, their um, for their cause, was just not to have people, kids smoke pot. Right. But it really did. It didn't seem like there was any real oversight or any kind of, um, hey, should we run this one at the flagpole right. before we put it on a huge billboard? Because the response we got on the Cannabis Women's Alliance Facebook page was insane. Oh, I bet. A lot of people offended, just yeah. completely out of their mind. Like, mm -mm, not having that ad. So they took it down right away. Yeah. So yeah, that was a good thing. They heard, they heard it. It says exactly this. We don't need pot to have fun. We're Hispanics, dot, dot, dot. We're cool by default. And, like, I think I got where they're going with it now that you said the kids had something to do with it. And they probably were like, yeah, we are. We're cool. We don't need drugs. But then again, that has the, the whole conversation needs to change. Like, this isn't a drug, you know. How about we just stop putting pot in that, in that hole un under that umbrella of drugs and say, Maybe we don't need illicit drugs to have fun. I don't know. But not, but not we're Hispanic. You know, that part is just, I don't know, ouch. Like, it's bad. This is so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's just wrong on so many levels. So many levels. Yes. All right. So let's talk about the Today Show um, controversy with the Marijuana Moms piece. Um, so I didn't see the actual piece I just saw the debate that happened after the fact. Did you see the piece? I did. I actually recorded it, and I was a little disappointed uh -huh. in that it didn't seem to be a full representation of uh, women and cannabis uh -huh. and users and stuff. Uh -huh. And um, I wasn't alone in that feeling, apparently. 
Yeah. Uh, just looking at all of the all of the Twitter feeds, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, apparently they they really didn't. It seemed like a very white privilege type of piece, from what I can tell. That it didn't acknowledge the disparaging racial divide and how you know people of color are you know unfairly punished for using cannabis as a medicine. Um, and those mothers that have to deal with that, you know, I don't know if they even touched on that. Did they at all? No, um, actually, you know, I get, we should go back and read, watch the whole thing. (laughs) I I feel like we better, I got it. I better know because I didn't watch all of it. I only saw parts of it and, you know, I was just like so grossed out of the, well, that was the representation they took, you know? Yeah. I mean, but we shouldn't have to rewatch something. I mean, we shouldn't have to watch something when they're so out of touch with reality. I mean, I understand that everyone has their own stories and that people want to be heard. But we also have to acknowledge the other elements of the story because it's not just you in this situation, you know? Right. If I it think was, the point was it, they but... were trying to, yeah. I think the point of the whole piece, the segment on King Five, was to show there's consuming cannabis, saying it's okay. I'm still a great mom. Mm-hmm. I, we still do things together. I get more chores done, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, uh, hooray! You know, right. I think that was the point, which I think is well intended in, right. in itself to normalize the use of cannabis, especially right. among moms, considering we're the users, we're the buyers, and we're the protectors, and you know, the plants female as well. So. Yay, ladies. Yeah. And I mean, I am looking at it now, and it says that they quoted that the CDC has strong evidence that smoking pot can lead to addiction, memory problems, short-term declines in memory, and learning. So, I mean, there's they're being skeptical about it, and I understand that because they're mainstream media, and they have to be. Um, and in their minds, they probably thought that this was a subversive piece, that they were actually trying to do that like you said normalize the usage right but Mm -hmm. unfortunately when you don't report all of the elements of the story you know and i understand you know that when you have an editor saying we need to make this shorter we need to make this catchier we need to make this whatever but um you know if you're gonna do it do it right at least try to (laughs) but i i see this like i mean i'm not a mother so i don't know I don't know how it feels, but I can imagine that it's very frustrating to see one example of something. And I mean, it doesn't help when it's exasperated, ex- uh, exasperated by um, Jimmy Fallon on, you know, I watched his little monologue about it and he was saying, oh yeah, the, they're better moms. Oh, hold on. Where's my kid? You know, made a joke about that. Let me get the Funyuns. Meanwhile, like we know Jimmy Fallon's a stoner. Like, come on now. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. It is so true. There are many stars that, or hosts that will talk about marijuana and then make fun of it as it's a joke. And that doesn't help our cause either. No, especially when he is a parent himself. And he should know that maybe he wouldn't be the best parent if he didn't have access to his medicine every day. Yeah, but then again, he we can so <laughs> what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I think the thing that also struck us is that so many black men are being murdered just for the smell of cannabis inside their car. Yes. And, you know, when you transpose that to a pretty white girl uh, just flaunting it like it's no big deal, it kind of feels to me like we're slapping Slap him in the face and Absolutely. say, hey, sorry, you know, you know, sorry, you're being incarcerated. You know, so the sensitivity 
again, um, it's out there for discussion, and I hope everybody participates and, and realizes that these laws are so racist in yes, nature yes. that uh, we need to really shine a bigger light on that. We really do. I mean, really, really do. And I think that's the bottom line when I was saying do it right, because you really have to address the the racism that is so systemic in this industry. I mean, it's because it goes across all the boards, you know, education, um, housing, mm-hmm. law, you know, all of it. It hits every single element. And we need to really look at that as the big picture, you know, because people just think it's about getting high or, you know, having some fun, but it's not about that. Especially when you're in a lot of pain all the time, you don't get high. You know what I mean? It's not about getting high. It's about just living a normal life. And I really wish people would stop, you know, with these qualifiers like, oh, they have a job, so they must be successful. And they also smoke weed. Oh, they all. But it's like, who cares? Who cares about any of that? At the end of the day, we're human beings and we deserve to be treated like human beings. I mean, it should be that simple. Exactly. And and why people aren't getting behind more of the health benefits of the cannabis plant and realizing that nobody's died in all the years that we've had cannabis, there have been zero deaths, you know, but you've got all these other products out on the market that are killing us, you yeah. know, from sugar to diet sodas to all that kind of crap. And we keep, it's just backwards and yeah. it's, we need more people to get mad. Right. That's true. We have to stay mad, get mad and stay mad because cannabis is, it's not just like what you were just talking about. I mean, all of those things are threatened by cannabis. So that's why they try to give us all this propaganda and these, you know, scare tactics and everything because they don't want the money taken away from all those big industries. But, but it's time, you know, it's time for that to happen. Um, so in that vein, speaking of time and things happening and whatnot, um, tell me about the Cannabis Women's Alliance and the mission. All right. Well, we are heading into our fourth year and, wow. uh, we're just here. We're a social purpose corporation and our goal has always been to empower women, uh, to achieve all of their goals professionally, personally, women only educational events and programming so we'll get together we'll talk about what's going on in the industry uh we'll go out and support charitable causes um some wonderful things that are coming up here in seattle we've got hemp fest mm-hmm. uh, in a couple weeks if you can contribute donate volunteer come down whatever you can do drop a few bucket a uh, few bucks in the bucket mm-hmm. that would be awesome we're happy to help them uh we're also working with the cannabis alliance this month in their second annual kickball tournament out in soap lake mm-hmm. so it's a great way for cannabis businesses to come together in this beautiful place and uh be competitive, but also bring our kids, you know, and, and get to know each other because the community that works together and plays together can only succeed together. And now more than ever, it's, we got to keep pushing this ball. We've had legalization for a while and, and still it's, we're not there. We're, we're not there yet. So a part of the uh, women's Alliance is just to get together to talk about things that are going on in the industry uh, with women, between women about things that are happening that you may not be able to talk about in a larger audience. Mm-hmm. So. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Our first guest today is Danielle Corsione. 
Danielle Corsione is a freelance journalist and content creator in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. With over five years of digital media experience, their writing has been published online in Vice, Teen Vogue, Esquire, Truthout, Salon, The Establishment, and much more. All right. So what would you say the biggest misconception about um, cannabis? What is the biggest misconception about cannabis that angers you the most? Oh, there's so, there's so many. Um, I recently written this story for Teen Vogue about cannabis myths. Um, and there's so many myths out there. There's so much misinformation, but I think the one that angers me the most is the idea that people who consume cannabis are lazy or bad people. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I feel very passionately about destigmatizing cannabis because it's very, it can be used to cure a lot of diseases, to treat a lot of diseases, um, to make people who can't get out of bed, get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's very little, you know, very little of the time do people walk into dispensaries, do people want cannabis to like make them sit on the couch all day. I mean, obviously there are people that go there to get their insomnia treated, but a lot of people who consume cannabis do so to be a better person, um, to help them with any ailments they have and just be the best they can be. Great. How can, okay. how can someone who has no idea where to start find accommodations for a cannabis-friendly vacation? Awesome. Yeah. So um, assuming that person does not live in a state with any type of recreational cannabis um, whatsoever, there's like cannabis tour companies um, that offer services that can help connect you not only to 420-friendly accommodations, they can help you navigate local laws of what you should and shouldn't do, where you can consume um, piece of that. uh, Cannabis Tours is one bigger company that has expanded to a lot of places as more recreational laws um, come into place. So reaching out to a cannabis tourism company can not only help you uh, find what you need, but they're also very receptive to educating um, about the local laws and how you can be a responsible consumer. That's very cool. Okay, so how do you think cannabis tourism will affect mainstream travel, like the mainstream travel industry? Um, I think more, I think more and more places that aren't necessarily built on tourism, um, they will see peaks in tourism. Um, they will see, they experience more people coming in to visit. Um, and I mean, as the entire country legalizes, that would be awesome. So um, we would see that trickle effect, but also places like Atlantic City, uh, where I grew up, um, that was already, that was literally founded on a tourism economy, where in the 1850s, Atlantic City was founded because they were building a railroad from Camden um, to Atlantic City to the shore to get people from the Philadelphia metropolitan area um, transport them 
to go on vacation. Um, and the first wave of economic depression started when automobiles uh, started becoming integrated into everyone's everyday lives because no longer did they need a train um, in order to travel on vacation. So particularly the Jersey Shore, like you can bring people back and it make the destination economies. Um, this is like a new, a new commodity. So even for places that are already founded on tourism economies, it can definitely help. Um, so yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was very cool. Thank you so much. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, okay. Is there anything else that you would, what, is there any piece of advice you would give someone who's traveling or who wants to travel in cannabis tourism for the first time, like who wants to take a, a cannabis cruise or right. something like that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, my biggest thing encourage people to be responsible uh, consumers. So um, I've written a uh, tourism guide for Esquire.com that was pretty much like how to take your first vacation. Right. And with there, um, pretty much like understanding local legislations of what you can and cannot do. So like, you know, you can't just light up in any hotel room right you need to you know your hotel needs to have a smoking room um in order to do that you know your hotel uh, will explicitly tell you uh whether you can or cannot consume in there and i mean if you go through a tourism company uh your accommodation like you can you can book a hotel room a motel room or an Airbnb that is 420 friendly, um, but that's something that you as the consumer need to be responsible about. Um, also, you know, you can go out and enjoy um, in public as long as you're not disruptive, right? It's just like alcohol. So um, don't be an asshole, this, right? Right, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, you can totally go to the Denver Art Museum uh, while you're tripping and really take it in. Um, as long as you, you know, are not being an asshole, you're not being destructive. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's really on the consumer to be responsible. And also, like, this sets a precedent um, for these, um, you know, for the states that do have recreational already legalized. We need to set a good example. Um, you know, natives and, and locals to these areas will, you know, <laughs> be expecting tourists to... Uh, respect the local laws and you know we have we we have a lot of freedoms that we do that we didn't without uh, you know we can do more things with recreational legalization there's a lot of things we can push for but being a responsible cannabis consumer helps set the precedent for other states that want to do this um, so we need to be positive role models um, be responsible adults in the way that we consume so that other states can see how positive um Canada's can be for its tourism economies. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Danielle. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah thanks so much. Right. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Talk soon. You, you too. Bye. Talk soon. Bye. Our next guest is Emerald Jade. Emerald Jade, owner of Emerald Edibles, is a specialty food stylist and cannabis culinarian. 
Emerald Jade provides the freshest, highest quality natural ingredients possible to create her gourmet cupcakes, cakes, and treats infused with cannabis. Emerald's Edibles set itself apart by offering superior ingredients and exceptional flavor. So, how do you think infused meals will affect the mainstream restaurant industry? Restaurant industry? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that sooner than later, there's going to be an influx of cannabis restaurants. Mm-hmm. Because there's already, I've seen a few chefs already having restaurants and they have um, creative menus and people coming and having fun. So I think there's going to be an influx. Mm -hmm. And what is your favorite element of cooking with cannabis? My favorite element is when the magic happens. Um, The magic I call it magic. It's when the marijuana is infused with the butter. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my favorite oils is coconut oil. And I always have some butter and some oil on hand. (laughs) (laughs) Great. What is one misconception about the cannabis industry that angers you the most? Well, I wouldn't say uh, it angers me, but it frustrates you. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it disturbs me because um, people are calling it a drug, mm-hmm. and I think it's a plant. As a matter of fact, I know it's a plant, Right. and the plant heals the body. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the one thing that, you know, every time I hear it, it's like I'm screaming at the TV or something like that. It's a plant. It's yeah. a plant. You know, so. Yeah, same here. That's that's. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, what infused item do you enjoy making the most? The most um, infused item that I enjoy is uh, the strawberry champagne cheesecake minis that I make. Mm-hmm. And uh, another one is the spicy three cheese macaroni and cheese mm-hmm. cupcakes. I make them out of cupcakes. Mm-hmm. And so those are, those are um, a couple of my favorites because my clients really like those. Yeah. The pictures look fantastic. <laughs> I want. I can't wait to be able to eat those someday. Well, I'm in Florida right now, so. <laughs> oh. Um, okay. So, um, how do you pick which strain to use? Do you let the strain inspire the creation, or do you find a strain to complement an idea? Um, most of most of the um strains that I use are what my clients want so um some of them may want to be you know up and happy and laughing and then some of them want to be you know just totally totally relaxed and and not thinking about anything just you know on a on a real nice um high you might want to say yeah so you have a new product coming out soon you said the cannabis gift set do you want to tell me a little I, bit about that? Yeah, I do. I um, It's called Euphoric Sense, mm-hmm. and, and they're all natural bath and body products. And um, the one that um, I'm going to be having coming out uh, this month is called Indulge. And it's uh, the body butter bath sauce uh, with an oil burner and some fragrance oils. So, um, yeah, and that has cannabis in it. Yeah. All right. 
Well, thank you for taking your time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Or, yeah, night. <laughs> okay. Take care. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. And our final guest today is Diana Isayu. Diana Isayu is a classically trained chef turned potpreneur who has been honored with a Michelin star and many favorable reviews in the press. She has worked as a product consultant to brands like Tyson Foods and Campbell's Soup, helping create mass-produced product recipes. Isayu combines all her past culinary adventures into creating a strongly branded marijuana edible company, American Baked Company. Okay, so how do you think infused meals or the culinary, uh, the cannabis culinary industry will affect mainstream restaurants, like the mainstream restaurant industry? Well, I don't feel like the mainstream restaurant industry is very welcoming at this point, and Mm -hmm. I don't anticipate that that's going to change anytime in the near future. Um, And coming from the mainstream restaurant industry, uh, early in my career, and I know that there's always like a big concern about overserving or anything like that. And so I would anticipate that something like that would be their, you know, kind of reasoning why. Mm-hmm. But um, definitely, I see a lot of people um, celebrating themselves and enjoying some <laughs> cannabis before they go into restaurants all over the city. So, yeah, um, I think, uh, uh, you know, it becomes more socially acceptable than I think they might do things like, you know, special kind of like a winemaker dinner, but they would do a weed maker dinner. You know, I think that there's always going to be that concern of overserving people in a public setting, mm-hmm. especially if those people aren't like, you know, semi vetted or something, especially yeah. because cannabis kind of treats everybody differently. And, you know, it's hard for people to judge if they're welcoming a whole bunch of beginners. Right. Um, so what is your favorite element of cooking with cannabis? Uh, I like the way that the, it, it tastes, honestly. Um, and I like just the different aspects of how you can integrate it into different foods. Mm-hmm. So like here we use, you know, different kinds of like distillates and oils and we make sugars and um, just that there's many ways to kind of get the plant into the food mm-hmm. and we don't necessarily um we don't use things like the clear um we like to retain a little bit of flavor because i think mm-hmm. that that's important so that people don't overindulge but um and plus i think it tastes good and so we use really just fine quality extract that tastes delicious so we use co2 extract but um nice there's definitely um you know a lot of different ways to make edibles people use rick simpson oil mm-hmm infusions and all those are great methods too and so we just kind of um we're really and you know pesticide free and um just using the a single strain in our product so that we we just try and find you know really great quality co2 oil to get in there that's awesome um what is one misconception about the cannabis industry that frustrates you the most I think that everybody thinks that, uh, you know, people in the cannabis business are disorganized, um, lazy, rich, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> things like that. And I think that it's like exactly the opposite. I found just like so many stories of like extreme determination from mm-hmm. people and greenhouses collapsing in the middle of winter on their full crops. And, um, you know, it's like farming a specialty uh, crop at its heart and then getting it out the door is um, it's a lot of work you know, a whole different set of challenges right. somebody has to pick those little tiny buds and weigh them yeah and, uh, 
uh, with 502, I think, you know, I mean, we spend, everybody spends an inordinate amount of time packaging. So right. I think that, that I just think that people, if they knew how much effort went into them getting that gram on the shelf, they would um, be surprised. Right. That how much handwork it in, is involved. And yeah. So I think, and, it's a lot so of I work. So I think that people are working really hard for right. a very little return at this point. Mm-hmm. But I think that that will change. and Hopefully. Yes. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What infused item do you enjoy making the most? Uh, You know, I like kind of uh, testing out all kinds of things. And Mm -hmm. so we kind of specialize in making things that other people don't. And so lately I've been making, um, you know, different kind of fruit candies that we make. So we're just trying all different kinds of flavors. And I like making like things like bath bombs and topicals and stuff are things that we're also playing around with. It's just Mm -hmm. fun to kind of experiment and um, talk to people out in the market about what they want and mm-hmm. then see what we can do to kind of fill those. And some of the things are not doable, you know, like we can't do a beef jerky or something right. like that just because it's technically not allowed. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's interesting what people get requests for and um, some of those things don't sell a lot, but, mm-hmm. you know, some of those things are a great idea. So what we like to do is just kind of play around with, yeah, that's the most satisfying part of it, I think. Awesome. Um, and what is one piece of advice you would give to someone who's just starting out in this in the cannabis industry as a professional, of like in any kind of way? <laughs> uh, be prepared for a you know a long journey, and uh, certainly not an instant road to riches. Um, I liked joining alliances like the Cannabis Women's Alliance mm-hmm. and. Um, other, you know, support groups of, for lack of a better term, for Mm -hmm. for people in the marijuana industry, it's kind of, you know, it's an industry that was closeted for so long that, um, it's kind of strange, I think, for a lot of these people to be kind of out and about and just, uh, it's great to meet some of the farmers and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that part of it's amazing. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking your time today with me and talking to us. Um, is there anything coming out that you want to talk about? Any special product or anything? Uh, we're releasing a bunch of 10 packs. Initially, we didn't sell 10 packs and people have packs. And, you know, the market, we just reopened after moving, which is a long and involved process. And so we were closed for a couple months. And while we were closed, we've been, um, you know, coming up with great ideas. And so uh, we're going to be releasing larger packs of everything. And that's kind of a big deal for us. We're doing a little redesign on packaging and Awesome. A whole bunch of new products, and now that we've found a home and aren't traveling gypsies, we're going to um, stay here for a while, hopefully, and um, then we have some ideas for doing, you know, different seasonal things and stuff, and um, like I said, we really just like to kind of innovate and yeah. try different things out, so really, we aren't looking for the one thing that's like the hugest seller in the market. Right. We kind of like to fill in the gaps around everybody else, so. That's very cool. All right, well, thank you so All much, right, well, Diana. <laughs> thanks for talking to me, and all right. Okay. I appreciate your time. Okay. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to your highest podcast brought to you by Cannabis Women's Alliance and Good Vibes Marketing Agency. The Cannabis Women's Alliance was founded to bring community guidance and inspiration to women working in the cannabis industry. Good Vibes Marketing Agency is a digital marketing agency that creates organic content for organic solutions. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, email us at yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com. 
Also, if you'd like to inquire about sponsorship opportunities, you can email us at yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com.